Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this evening's conversation. Uh, my name is Andrew Cheesebro. I'm a staff member of the Harvard Varsity Club, and I, I'm incredibly excited and honored uh, to have the opportunity to introduce our guests tonight. Um, our moderator, Chris Eggie, is a former captain of the Harvard men's basketball team. Uh, he's a two-time Ivy League champion and a recipient of the Reardon Award as the top scholar athlete in the class of 2018. Uh, as a student athlete playing for under Coach Amaker, uh, Chris received the Detour Book Prize and became the first varsity student athlete in recent memory to be elected as one of three student orators at Harvard University's commencement. During his time at Harvard, he also founded No More Names, a, a youth-led fundraising and awareness building organization created to combat criminal injustice, police brutality, and to empower youth to vote. Uh, and, and Tommy Amaker is entering his 15th season as the Thomas G. Stenberg Family Endowed Coach for Harvard Men's Basketball. In his time, he has taken the program to unprecedented heights, including seven Ivy League championships, four NCAA tournament appearances, and three NIT berths. But his work with his players outside of basketball is what makes him most proud. His philosophy has been to teach, lead, and serve. And he has devoted as much time and energy to developing his student athletes away from the court as he has to developing their basketball skills. From visits with former presidents and sitting Supreme Court justices to his famed breakfast club, Coach Amaker is using the game of basketball to create lifelong learners and future leaders. Coach Amaker has also been widely recognized for his work to promote social, social justice, which includes co-chairing the Committee on Racial Reconciliation as a board member for the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and co-founding the McClendon Minority Leadership Initiative to give young people of color opportunities to work in collegiate athletics. His work with the MLI has recently earned him national acclaim from the NCAA Minority Opportunities and Interest Committee, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and most recently at the Social Innovation Summit. Coach Amaker also serves on the Board of Overseers for the Boys and Girls Club of Boston, is an executive fellow at Harvard Business School, is a special assistant to Harvard University President Larry Bacow, and carries the title of the James Herscott Coach of Excellence. It's my pleasure to now turn tonight's conversation over to Chris Eggy and Coach Amaker. Chris, please take it away. Thank you for such a kind introduction, Andrew. I really appreciate it and pleasure to be, you know, to share this stage with Coach Amaker. Uh, Coach, just to start, uh, Andrew spoke about your philosophy of teach, lead, and serve. You know, in, a, in an environment where it's already, you know, difficult to be a college basketball coach and just to manage personalities on a team, to focus on winning games, to focus on all the things that are just basketball oriented. How did you come to this philosophy of teach, lead, and serve? And what does it mean to you? Well, Chris, first and foremost, it's, uh, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, you know, Thank you. I think of you in, in, in so many ways that are just uh, amazing who you are, you know, where you're from, what you've accomplished, and I, and I know where you're headed. So to see you, you look great, and to be with you here Thank tonight you. is uh, is certainly a, a pleasure and honor for me. And, and for the Varsity Club, um, I just want to say thanks for having us to be a part Thank of you. this and be a part of this group uh, discussion tonight and conversation and all that you do for Harvard Athletics, for our institution as a whole, and um, so I'm proud to be a part of this with all of us tonight. And Krista, specifically what you asked about is, um, you know, my mother is a longtime school teacher. Uh, my mother has taught school for uh, not anymore. She's retired, but she taught for 50 years. Uh, my mother will be later this summer in August. She'll be 83. And I just saw her on an earlier Zoom tonight. And uh, 
song for Mother's Day here in, the, in Cape Cod, where we are. And so I think of her and I think of that philosophy. I think of those three words, Chris, that uh, matter the most to me. Uh, I know I'm a basketball coach, um, but what do we really think of that we do? And I always thought about that. What, what do I really want to be known for? What do I really want to feel like my purpose is? And, and I think of great places and great people. I think they do three things. I think they teach. I think they lead and they serve. I think we do that at Harvard. Um, and I know for me personally to think that uh, I know my college coach, Coach K at Duke, he was my best teacher. Um, and that's not a knock to any all-star faculty member that I had as a professor. And I was an economics major. But my best teacher, my best professor that I had when I was in college was my college coach. And I think of there's never been a great coach that wasn't a great teacher first. And certainly thinking about teaching, thinking about leading, and then the word serve is so appropriate for us as teachers and as coaches to serve our, our student athletes, to serve our players. To, for us, we like to say to serve our scholars and ballers, which you are. Um, and so I'm, I'm proud to think of myself as that, even more so than a coach, uh, as a teacher, as a leader, and someone who wants to make sure that I serve in the end. So teach, lead, and serve encompasses everything that I want to be about. If there's one thing I'll say, Chris, to enter this question is to, to say that the best thing anybody could ever say about me is what I would want, you know, my players to say when, when they're all done is what I say about my coach, Coach K, was that he was my best teacher. If I can have that happen, um, and especially coaching here at Harvard, to have, you know, some of you guys at some point ever think of me as he was he was my best teacher that I had at Harvard, man, that's saying something. And so mm -hmm. that's what drives me. And that's what's very meaningful to me with those three words. Thanks, coach. And interesting when you kind of speak about teach, lead, serve, you speak about scholars and ballers, you speak about, you know, on the team, you talk about bench and balance. There seems to be duality and within that a sense of balance. And I guess I'm just curious is how do you think about balance? whether it's, you know, student athletes managing, you know, on the court or off the court, you managing, you know, being a teacher and a coach. Um, how do you think about balance and, and what does that mean to you? And, and how do you strive to achieve it in the things that you do? Yeah. And, and you, you're, you're, you're so wise and you've always been, you know, wise beyond your years. I've known that ever since we recruited you. Um, I, you. I remember uh, coming out to see you even on uh uh, I know you don't celebrate Thanksgiving on the same day that the uh, right. U.S. does, but I remember coming out on my Thanksgiving and when I first mm -hmm. saw you and my wife, when she was a little, looked at me a little sideways, so I was leaving <laughs> to go see some, some hotshot high school kid on Thanksgiving day that I left home to go do that, but um, it was worth it. And, and so for you to Thank understand, you. you mentioned the word that's really important for our program and for me personally, that I want us to always bring about in our program. And that's the word balance. And you just mentioned it. You went about things in a lot of different ways that we try to make sure we teach in that, in that, through that context, through that lens. And you can't be a good basketball player. You probably can't be a good athlete, I don't think, in any sport if you don't have balance. And I mean balance in the respective sports. I mean, that's posting up, as you know about that. Blocking right. out, as you know about that. You know, being in a defensive stance. Uh, like you have to have good balance in the game and you have to be athletic enough to have, you know, the balance of being in, we say base and balance, we say bench and balance. And so 
Uh, but balance in our lives is what's the most important about that. But we never lose track of that word balance. And so thinking of making sure that things are transferable is one of the keys for us. So what we talk about on the court, I don't want it to be lost on what you guys or anybody else would do, as I would say, Chris, beyond the 94 by 50. And for those of us who are out there, the 94 by 50, that's the dimensions of a basketball court. And so whatever we want to teach on the floor, we want to make sure that this, this has some relevance. It relates. It's transferable to what we're trying to make sure that these our players, our scholars and ballers can take with them uh, beyond the 94 by 50. And that one word balance, you know, and I need to be able to show that by example, too. I need to be able to show that I'm not just saying these things. I'm trying to live these things with you guys or with our players, our scholars and ballers to be able to show them that balance matters to me in my life. You know, I don't want my life to be out of whack or out of balance. I mean, I, right. I want to make sure that I'm exuding that in some ways. I don't want to just say that. And then matter of fact, I'm not doing that. Uh, I want you guys to look at me like I'm, I'm I, I care about other things outside of basketball. And I want you to have recognition and be engaged and involved. I think that makes you a healthier, wiser, stronger individual, uh, which certainly helps, helps us when, I, when, when you need to block out. <laughs> Um, because you're in a better frame of mind, you know, like you're, you're balanced and there's a peace that comes with being balanced. Like you're not overloaded when you're balanced, there's a peacefulness that you have. And so I love that. And I'm glad that you brought that word up. So thank you. No, thanks coach. And, and one thing I think about is, you know, when you talk about balance, I think about kind of how people deal with, with trials in their life and, you know, balance is one way. But I think about 2020 as a year of trials where a lot of surprises get thrown your way. We're about to have the Ivy League tournament at Harvard. Um, and then COVID, you know, kind of peaks up and, you know, the season is canceled. And little did we know at the time that, you know, we would still be dealing with the crisis, you know, to, to this date. Um, in that time, we also had the murder of George Floyd, um, the protests that resulted, um, campus being closed. And I guess as you think about how you and the team navigated the trials presented, you know, by 2020, and I, I know you had kind of, you know, written an article about 2020 vision. I'm just curious if you could kind of walk us through kind of like one, what that experience was like for you. And then two, kind of, you know, speak to that idea of 2020 vision that you discussed in that article. Yeah. You know, Chris, one of the things that it's really important um, to always feel like, you know, we need to be, and, and hopefully you know this by being obviously through our program, being authentic, uh, being real about things, you know, like this is not going to be a, a, a perfect world, you know, a perfect uh, program, a perfect institution. Um, like we're going to have our moments, you know, but we have to be authentic and real and be able to share and express, you know, how we really feel. Like it's important, you know, that our program is a space and a place you know, that, that you guys, that when you were here and you went through it and the guys who are currently here now, you're going through a program and have a space where, you know what, it, you, hopefully you'll feel that it's safe, it's supported, and it's inclusive. And when we had to have to have the, you know, the season taken away, um, all these things you mentioned were, you know, un, you know, unfolding at that moment in time and we had to cancel the tournament and all the things that happened, you know, we needed to feel disappointed. We needed to feel anger. We needed to feel hurt. We needed to feel, you know, um, all the emotions of things that can come over you 
and all the things that have happened uh, as we were kind of feeling what's happening, what's going on. And we need to discuss that as a group. We need to be able to share. Um, but one of the things we also wanted to be aware of, Chris, was to make sure that we had things you know, in perspective. Like it's important that we talked about that as well. Like uh, we always would say, as you, hopefully you'll remember this, that no matter how hard we think we have it, if we all sat around in a circle and each one of us threw our individual trials and tribulations or issues or problems out in the middle of the floor and we all sat in that circle, we probably take hours back after we start listening to everybody else what they're going through. Right. Um, so that brings a sense of perspective. Um, and, and as bad as things were, as but you know what? We also felt like this is a moment because of what is happening. It's forcing all of us to see things maybe through a different lens, maybe for the first time. Uh, maybe for some of us, the older generation for you know, another time. Um, so the 2020 for me, as you mentioned, was, was it just meant so much to me because the, it happened in the year 2020. I really believe that if all this was happening for a reason that we needed to be able to visualize and see things through a lens differently. And to me, 2020 always meant, you know, vision. You know, that's the 20 person's eyesight. That's the way I always related 2020. And so I thought of like, that's, it's, this is here for a reason that we need to see differently. We need to see more correctly, more clearly. You know, we need to treat, see how people have been treated in our, in our country, in the world. And sometimes we need all to be put on pause to be able to understand. And I thought there was a moment that it's all forced everyone that I would never want us to have to go through the things we went through ever again. As sometimes we find out that the only way we can figure things out is that we got to go through it. Uh, right. We went through a lot, loss of, you know, close to 600,000 lives, you know, people losing right. businesses and livelihoods and so many incredibly awful things, let alone, as you mentioned, the racial and social reckoning that our country has been able to kind of see through a different lens now. Systemic racism that may, maybe many people didn't view that the way that they view it now. As we've learned more, as we've been made aware more, and I think once we learn more, hopefully it brings about a greater sense of understanding and empathy for others. That's one of the things I'm very hopeful that we can learn more about Black history. If you learn more about a certain person's walk or plot in life, well, you probably have a greater empathy and understanding for who they are and what they've been through. Well, that helps us become better as human beings to one another. So there's just so many pieces to this, I thought, that were, you know, as awful as it was. And you mentioned George Floyd. And, like, that's not the first time. And you know as well as anyone, given, you know, what you've done with No More Names. That's not the first time that someone has lost, someone of color has lost their lives at the hands of law enforcement by being, while being unarmed. So right. why, why does this happen in a moment that it, it literally has changed our nation? Because we were through going through a pandemic that we weren't in our normal lives of just flying, working, conferences, uh, vacations, or whatever we would normally be doing. We were all in a moment where the pandemic forced us to be in one spot, to be still, to see. And if you can see differently, Chris, as you know all too well, you can feel differently. And I thought that's what happened throughout that period of time. So, so many pieces there, so many layers, but certainly as, as we're finding our way through, we certainly hope, as we always talk about, Chris, as you know, for our program, you know, we're going to be better from this. We're going to get better from it and we're going to use it. We're going to, another way we say, we're going to regroup 
we're going to respond. Right. We're doing that right. now. And that's a wonderful place to be. Right. And then one thing I think is unique, Coach, and kind of your experience with this is, you know, being a Black basketball coach at Harvard University, how has your experience as a Black coach through kind of these circumstances kind of impacted your experience and perhaps interacted the way you've been able to interact with your players? You know, um, when I arrived, uh, as, as, as uh, Cheese mentioned, going on 15 years ago now, I, I didn't realize it was that long. <laughs> Um, when I arrived a number of years ago here, at the time, I was the only Black or African-American coach, uh, or the head coach uh, of a varsity sport when I was named the head coach. And uh, I'm proud to know that, you know, we're, we have more. Uh, I know that having been, you know, a Black man and a Black player, former player and Black student athlete, and as you know, uh, all well. That's what you know. That's who you've been your entire life. Um, right. And what you know, you bring certain experiences, you know, that you have have gone through, things that you have been able to overcome, things that you've been able to share, um, you know, ways in which you feel that uh, life can be better, uh, things that you've learned from your friends or family members. And so bringing about all that you are and who that you are, which I've tried to do to our players, to our program, but also trying to remember how to, in order to be a good teacher, you have to be a good communicator. And so how can I find ways to communicate? Um, you know, what, what are my mechanisms to be a good teacher? Well, I have to figure out how to connect in, in terms of my communication process. Um, kids are getting, you know, the, the, you, you guys, I'm an old man now. I mean, I can't relate to you know, some of the music or, you know, I, I mean, I, I got to figure it out, you know, but I got to make sure that I'm, I'm relatable. Um, I, I can connect through different mechanisms. And so I think that's been for me to always think of myself as trying to be adaptable to things and trying to learn and grow. But also, I, I'm also I'm always interested in learning from you guys. Uh, I, I, I pride myself on, you know, I don't have all the answers. I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I want to hear how you feel. I want to hear some of the thoughts you have. Now, I know sometimes, you know, it you know, I'm always, I'm willing to listen. I mean, I'm always going to do what the hell you, you say. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I'm interested in hearing you and how you feel as, as our players. That's, that's important to me. I know my coach listened to me. I know Coach K, I know he valued what I had to say. And so I've always remembered that. And so to me, being able to turn that around now as I become a head coach and done it for a number of years is to, to make sure that I'm listening and learning you know, for my players, uh, as much as I'm hopeful that I can, I can teach and help them grow as well. And one thing I find interesting, Coach, is, and, you know, this goes back to, you know, your comment on it being here 15 years, is you often talk about, you know, not just a team, but a program. And I'm curious as to when you think about program building, uh, in addition to team building and culture building, I guess, you know, day one arriving on campus, how did you kind of set out your vision for what a program could be and then set goals and then act upon those goals to, to build what you've built today, which is, you know, a super impressive program that has brought people from around the country. You know, I, I definitely, the main reason I came to play for you is what you've been able to build on campus. And um, it's just super impressive what you've been able to build. Just curious, it's kind of how you thought about that arriving on campus day one. Yeah, you know, Chris, as, as you know, and um, 
as, as your amazing father knew, uh, you know, you recognize the, the, the brand of this institution um, and, and wanting that for you, uh, your late great father, uh, who was so proud of you, as you know. And I remember when you were on your visit and he was here with us and he knew in his heart what he wanted for his son, which was, yeah. to, was to be a part of this brand, um, what it, it represents. It, it's something that's magical. Uh, we all know it when we say it and talk about it. Where where I work, where you went to, where you went to school, where you're going to continue now. As I'm proud of you, you're going to be coming back and doing some more work, you know, here at Harvard. Um, thinking about that for me, you know, thinking that we want to build uh, the basketball program around this brand, this institution. Uh, we want to see if we can create a program, you know, that's worthy of this world class number one institution in the world and why can't we do that well we started out chris and one of the things that we knew we needed to do and we talked about this again something that's transferable for us how we're going to play on the court how we're going to be off the court and that was important for us to say we're going to be inside out we play that way on the floor and then we need to make sure that part of our inside out philosophy is everything is on this campus People literally come from all over the world to get answers from Harvard, whatever that is, whether that's politics, business, uh, finance, marketing, uh, you, you name it. People literally come from all walks of life, all corners of this planet to come to Harvard to get answers. Well, we're already at Harvard. So I'm saying like the answers are on this campus, everything that we're trying to figure out. Um, how do we can be better teachers? How can we you know, conduct our program in a, in a, in a higher manner? What? I'm learning from all these amazing people that are on this campus. They're rock stars everywhere you turn. And one of the neat things about that, Chris, is that everywhere I turned to, no one told me they didn't have time to help me. No one said, you know, um, you know, forget this, coach. I, I, you know, I'm doing this. Or no one was territorial. People were very giving, thoughtful, um, and I'm so grateful, you know, for all of that. Whether that's me going to Professor. Uh, Skip Gates, for instance, and telling him, you know, I want to introduce myself to him. Uh, he told me he remembered me from being at Duke. I think he was just being nice to me. Um, <laughs> but I went to him and I said, and he told me, he said, no coach has ever come to me in all my years, asked me if I would help them in recruiting when you bring a kid on campus. And he told me, he said, if I'm in town and you need me, I'm here for you. And so I've had examples like that where no one has ever said that they wouldn't be willing to help us. And so we've done it in a way of building culture, team building, but we've learned from the process of working inside out, uh, being very grateful for the people on this campus that have extended themselves. And that started as we hopefully we get a chance to talk about the Breakfast Club with Professor Ogletree and others and in that same context of making sure that they were gonna be supportive and empowering to help us get going. And then it takes, you know, guys like you, guys who are literally scholars and ballers that we need to attract and come up, you know, bring here and help us build our brand as, as we did, you know, in terms of how we're going to play, what's going to be our identity, as you know, identity, goals and standards, all we care about, how we're going to go about that. And, but we need guys like you that are always saying like, I want to be a part of that. I believe in that vision. And so that's, what's made us and whatever success we've had and however you want to evaluate that, whoever can do that. But, it's been because of so-called vision 
and also because of the individuals like yourself who have been amazing to do help us do it. Thanks, Coach. And when I think about kind of the three words, teach, lead, serve, it almost feels like out of this conversation is a fourth word kind of that came out of your last question. Also, a lot of the questions that you've answered along the way, this idea of community, where, you know, coming to Harvard, kind of the way you tap into the inner Harvard community, and then also the Breakfast Club is another community that you're part of. I'd love to kind of hear you talk a little bit about the significance of community to you. And also I'd just love to hear about kind of what made you feel like you should go out and kind of foster this Breakfast Club community, which obviously is, you know, a stalwart within the community and is, is pretty special. I've been fortunate enough to, you know, to attend a couple of sessions, but uh, when I think of a community that, that definitely comes to mind. Yeah, you know, Chris, you know, we, again, thinking of all the amazing uh, groups of people and, and, and communities, as you've said, that have come together, uh, you know, the Varsity Club is, is a community that has fostered, you know, and empowered all of us as coaches and all the athletic programs and all of you as current student athletes and former student athletes, um, you know, the Friends of Harvard Basketball, you know, as, that's another community that has you know, been the, the you know, we, we I like to talk about Harvard and all of our communities in particular, as you mentioned, you know, to become a, a tailwind, you know, for teams and individuals. And, you know, when we're, we have a tailwind, we, you know, we get, we get to places faster, you know, when you get the, it's nice when you're flying, you know, you got to go across country and the pilot comes on and says, you know, we picked up a good tailwind. So we're going, mm -hmm. we're going to get there a little sooner. Like, man, is that how awesome do we feel when we hear that? Well, we Harvard, our communities and who we have and our platforms, we become a tremendous tailwind, you know, for, for you, for others, for all of us who are associated in the part of the beautiful, amazing institution and the brand of Harvard. And so the communities themselves become this. And it's important that we build community because, you know, communities are teams, you know, and, and, and I've always felt, and you know this by being at Goldman and in your life's work and things that you've done, it's you've never not been a part of a team. It's even, that's including your family. And I know how right. you spoke about your family at the commencement. You know, when you talked about your, the, the stories from, you know, your family that talked about things of, so you've always been a part of teams. And so thinking of ourselves as, you know, wanting to be great teammates is critical for us. It's critical. Be a great teammate on the Harvard basketball team. Be a great teammate to the Harvard in the Harvard community. Be a great teammate in our families. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, as you know, about not accepting roles, but to embrace the roles that we are given. Um, it's not good enough to accept it because we most of the time, it, I shouldn't say most of the time, but it was possible for us to reluctantly accept roles. But we embrace the role where there's an energy and a force that we're bringing to it that we are really excited about what we've been asked to do as a teammate. And so all of that is a part of community. And you mentioned the Breakfast Club. I was so fortunate to be embraced by, by the iconic, legendary Professor Charles Ogletree. Um, he embraced me and my wife when we first came. He wanted to em embrace and bring us into the community. Uh, and specifically at the time, he wanted to make sure that that we were embraced and brought into the black community at Harvard, the African-American professors, the people in the greater Boston area. He wanted to make sure we were introduced, you know, to a certain community here. And it was incredible for it to be embraced that way. So I'm always remembering, you know, that that was done for me. 
And so a lot of times when we things are happening for us, it's not because we're, uh, you know, we're this God's gift or uh, we know all the answers. And so far, you know, we're going to sometimes we're the blessings for us. We get things to make sure we end up giving things. You know, if, if I was able to receive that, then my job now is to make sure I do it, you know, for someone else when they come to the community, you know, because I know what it meant to me and how much it has helped me and helped us. And so the Breakfast Club was has been exactly that. Uh, it's a community that's been created and it's been so authentic, Chris. You've been there to witness it, to learn from it, to benefit from it. Uh, and you've always, and you and others, you bring things to it, um, you know, just by who you are. We're proud of you. That's what fuels the individuals who come to the Breakfast Club to see you and your greatness and your success and your journey. And it just makes us all very proud to want to continue to do that for others. And so I have, we have, Professor Ogletree, Professor Ron Sullivan, uh, we've created this and it's gone on now for 14 years. And uh, we've had, uh, in addition to you, <laughs> we've had governors, we've had, you know, uh, it's been amazing, you know, to think of the people who have wanted to be a part of this and come uh, to help us and to help expose you and other players when they're there um, to inspire you, uh, to make sure that you see things and thoughts that, uh, that they can bring to the table that hopefully will inspire you and help you in your pathway. Thanks, Coach, and thanks for including me on the list. I don't quite think I'm, I'm I should be on just yet, but uh, <laughs> appreciate, appreciate, appreciate. You know, you keeping me in high regard. I guess you know a question I have for you, Coach, is as you think about um, you know on the team, we, we joke, you know, we call them amateurisms, but you kind of have these <laughs> phrases. You know that you know you you're on campus for well, four me, years. Tell you, me which one of the, some of the amateurisms I need to hear this. I mean, you know, last part, best part. You know, <laughs> when you're on a plane, make sure you put your mask on before assisting others. Um, there's okay. a, there's a few. Don't dip your toe in, right? <laughs> Been running on the road. There's a you know the four the five C's, the four C's, the the five P's. You know, a lot yes. of a lot of fives. Um, so one that comes to mind, though, and one that's honestly stuck with me um, as I've kind of moved on to my professional career, and I would just like to kind of hear you talk about briefly, is this idea of, you know, making your layups. And that's always, that's actually been such a, you know, been such a fundamental idea as I thought about my professional career. I just want to kind of hear you talk about that and how you think it applies, you know, beyond the game of basketball. Because, you know, when you think about basketball, making your layups, those are easy shots. Um, thinking about kind of what, what prompted you to kind of that become part of the lexicon and, and why you kind of hold that beer. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I got a, I got a, the amateurism. That's I'm good. <laughs> you got you, all you guys are behind my back. That's, that's good to know. Uh, I like that. I like that. What you're remembering, which I love. Um, mm -hmm. and that's really important to, to hear you say some of those things because they're meaningful. Uh, and, and I'm glad that they're things that are again, transferable and, what you mentioned about layups, you know, one of the things about a layup, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, it should be fundamental. And that's what it be kind of comes to the fundamentals of things. Um, and these are the things that it just takes, you know, usually think layups and free throws usually takes fundamentals and concentration. You don't have to be so gifted. You don't have to be so great. You don't have to be so strong, so tall, so this, so that. But it's amazing how, you know, if we make our layups and our free throws, how much easier things become, how much better we are, 
Um, you're so right about that. Making the layups, making, concentrating on the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. Sometimes we get it the other way around. We're so wanting to see all of it and thinking of the whole game. And you know what, and speaking of basketball, the whole game in so many different ways. Wow, if we can just focus on a few things. And in football, you know, you think of just, you know, I would assume, I'm not a football coach, but, you know, blocking and tackling, uh, you know, the basics, the fundamentals. And so making your layups, and, and you can really build on that, Chris. That's the thing about, you know, the, the building blocks or the fundamentals there, you build on them. And the fundamentals of making a layup, how easy that should be. Now, it's not as easy when you, 6'9", you coming over from the weak side, you trying to block it, you know. Right. So it's not always right. so easy. Um, but we should be good enough. You know this, and you've been this you know, your whole life uh, as a basketball player and as, and as a human being, as a man now. Like, we're good enough to make layups. Like, we, we've right. done we, – we're good enough to make layups. And if we start winning, we start making – showing that we – if we can make our layups, we're going to win more than we ever. I mean, we're going to be fine when it comes term to winning. Um, but let's don't focus on winning. Let's focus on the fundamentals. Let's focus on making our layups. Let's focus on making that free shot that we get at the foul line. Um, concentration, fundamentals, repetition, those things. You don't have to be some rock star person, uh, business person. And you'd be amazed at how much. Another one we would say along the lines of the layups, you know, the, the guy, the person that usually wins the race is not the fastest person. It's usually that person that just keeps running. Right. Just keep running. You don't have to be the fastest one, but it's the one that usually keeps running is the one that usually can win or will win the race. And so I'm love that you said that about making layups. And, and those things are, are so critical as we use them again in the world of basketball and then certainly beyond the 94 by 50. And then, you know, I want to open this up to the audience, but, but one last question, you know, when you said amazed, it kind of triggered, you know, another amicrism in my mind, you'd be amazed what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. Uh, you know, I'm just curious as to, you know, as you think about kind of this year coming up and kind of, you know, the next stage of Harvard basketball and just life more broadly, um, what does that, what does that mean to you in terms of, you know, building the program that you want to build and also building the world that we should all be striving to build. Yep. You know what? Uh, I'm, um, you, you talked about that because that's what we say the first day of practice every year. It's amazing what we can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. Like that's what a team should, should always strive to do is that, you know, we're going to accomplish together and we're not going to be worried about who's getting the accolades or the headlines or the credit for anything. And when we, put those things aside, those kind of worrying about who's getting what and just bring our talents and let it all happen and blend and give of yourself for one another and for the group. We're going to be amazed at what's going to be accomplished. And so that's a part of what we're going to start off with as we always do. And thinking about our program going forward, Chris, it's, um, um, you know, we, we've been blessed to have had great players like you and accomplished a number of things. What we've always tried to do, and you know this, is to just live up to our identity, our goals, and our standards. And we can live with everything else. We can live with what the scoreboard says. We're not worried about that. We want to feel like, you know, what we lived up to those three critical areas that we care about. And one of the goals for us, and you embody this, you do this, 
as well as anyone. And this is, I'm so proud of you doing well and also doing good. Like you understand what that means and you've done that. Like that matters to you. Um, you know, it matters to you to do well and to do good. And it's nothing better than that when I see you guys do that. And we talk about also that, you know, whatever the recruiting classes are, the kids coming in, you know, we don't evaluate our recruiting classes until 10 years after graduation. Like that's when we start evaluating recruiting classes. That's when we're going to find out who, who were these guys? Not the fact that you had some kind of ranking coming out of high school. Uh, you know, like the right. recruiting class is going to be evaluated after graduation a number of years down the road, and we'll calculate it then. Um, and so that's what I'm focused on. And so when we focus on those things, you know, another, you know, saying for me, and you know this, and, you know, we, we say when teamwork is the destination, victory happens along the way. So our focus is on how good can our team be. And, and I love the fact that, you know, it matters to us, you know, about being a great teammate. Like you, you were an amazing teammate. It'd be hard for Thank anyone you. to be a better teammate. And so thinking Thank of you. great teammates, like that's what we're striving for with the talented individuals like yourself. You know, the guy Thank that you. I always bring up as an example for that is Grant Hill. You know, I always thought he was the best ever for me as, as a coach. And I, my time as an assistant with him and I was a lead person to help recruit him at Duke and, I'm so, you know, incredibly proud of him and all that he's accomplished, but there was no one ever better that had the willingness to fit it, fit in, but also had the talent and the ability to stand out. Like when you bring those two categories together, there's nothing more beautiful than that. That's you, the willingness to fit in, but also the talent and the ability to stand out. Those are the kind of guys that we want in our program. Those are the guys that we've seen in different sports and teams at Harvard. That's why this place is a unique, special place overall. And I'm proud to represent it in every single way uh, because we get individuals like that, you know, that have that willingness to fit in, but also the talent and the ability to stand out. And that's another thing, Chris, going back to my mind is racing, but going back to what you said earlier, that's that balance again. Those right. things, those right. things have to be in balance. And there it is again. And so um, that's what I'm hoping for our guys. In addition to, you know, we better block out and rebound. Uh, right. you know, all this other stuff is fine. Well, we, you know, we talk about breakfast club and all oh, that's great. <laughs> but we better block out and rebound too. You know, that's, uh -huh. you know, that part Spend of the floor. It's yeah, exactly yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's right. That's exactly yeah, yeah. right. Uh -huh. And then, you know, I want to open this up to questions. So if you have a question, feel free to put it in the Q and A box. Um, I know we have about uh, five minutes left, so a time for, for a few questions. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of read them as they come in. So feel free to, to kind of put questions in the Q&A box and I'll read them as they come in. So we'll start with, um, with a question from Randolph Cato, uh, if, if I'm getting that right. Um, and the question is, has John Wooden, has, has he had an affection, uh, has he had an effect on kind of your coaching strategy? And if so, what has that affected? Yeah, you know, I, uh, the coaches, I've obviously been influenced the most and the greatest by, you know, Coach K, my, also my high school coach. Uh, but I have had wonderful coaches throughout my life. I've been very lucky. I've looked at all my coaches as teachers. My mother's a school teacher, so every coach that I ever played for, um, whether they actually taught in a school or a classroom or not, I always looked at them as a teacher. That's just the way that I was raised. And that's because 
my mom being a school teacher. So anyone in that position for me was always thought of as a, as a teacher. Well, it's hard to find anyone that, you know, really embody that more uh, than John Wooden. Um, you know, John Wooden is a legendary coach, Coach Wooden at UCLA through the, you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time. And Coach K is in that category. And I have a, I have a picture with Coach Wooden, um, you know, my high school years being a McDonald's All-American. He was always the one that you took pictures with. So thinking of how he, he looked at the floor, the, uh, you know, the game, he prided himself on being a gentleman and being a teacher. And if I can ever do some things along those lines, I, I certainly would love to be able to learn from that and pattern certain things uh, in that context through, through the great Coach Wooden. And then the next question comes from when you speak about being a great teammate, this, this player comes to mind. Justin Bassey has a question. And his question is, when you first came up with the identity, the goals, and the standards, kind of what were the orienting principles? Like, how did you come up with those at the beginning? Um, and, you know, we'd just love kind of hear how that all originated. Yeah, well, Bassey, you, you mentioned that. That's exactly right for, for JB uh, to be on this and, and some of the amicarisms. I'm sure he's probably, you guys are laughing about that together. Um, but JB was, the, as you mentioned, the, the absolute best as a teammate, our best defender. He embodied what was so important in our program. The number one thing is on our identity board is defend. That's the, that was what we said we were going to come to Harvard and try to build our program around defense and Harvard. That's what we wanted to do, a style of play that we were going to defend. And then we're also going to embrace our school, our institution. So those words of how we want to play on the floor, defend, box out, sprint, be unselfish and have fun. That's the identity for Harvard basketball. That's who we say we want to be, those five things. And if we play that way, we can live with what the scoreboard says. We understand that. We believe in that. Well, I was always thought, and to answer JB directly, you know, the goals, the, the identity, and the standards, we needed to come up with internal ways of us evaluating ourselves and not worry about what, you know, the media or family or anybody outside of our locker room with how they would say, how well did we do? They don't know because whatever they may say, but well, we, didn't, we didn't do well or we did do well, they don't know. What's internal is what's most important. And if we can live that, again, that goes back to the inside out theory. What we know is important for us on the inside is what we need to live up to. So it's a way of us evaluating ourselves and holding ourselves accountable without any outside voices or influences. And so if we're true to that, that's what we came up with, how we're going to play, how the goals are we going to set for our program, and then the standards that we feel are most important for us to live by. And so I'm proud of you guys for, and that hasn't changed in 14 years. Like those things have been right. consistent. And so when, when people know, like we, you, you know those things when you're part of this program, like you know what they are, you know what, how we feel that that's all that we are going to evaluate on. Um, and that's, that's important. And then, Coach, I know we're coming up on time, and I guess the last question, this is from uh, Kevin Frika. Um, the question, you know, just recently, Coach K announced that this is going to be his last season as, as uh, the coach at Duke. And, you know, we started this off talking about teach, lead, and serve, and you mentioned him being the best teacher you've ever had. And, you know, as members of the program, we know how much Coach K meant to you. I remember when you recruited me 
um, and we sat up in the lounge, you brought up the story of Coach K first recruiting you. Um, we just love to kind of hear your thoughts on his legacy, both as a coach, but more importantly, as a leader of men and teacher. Yeah, Chris, thank you for, and, and, and for that question to come up. Um, coaches meant everything to me. Um, you know, I, I, I played for him um, and I worked for him. Um, you know, he, he's been a, the, the teach, lead, serve. You know, I, if, if, if I had those words and we put those words in a dictionary, uh, be hard pressed not to think that his picture wouldn't be there. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's another way of me shaping some of my philosophy is based on what I believed in and how I was brought through. Uh, he, he's done that as well as anyone, teach, lead, and serve. And so for me, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, uh, for the opportunity to have been uh, recruited by him, coached by him, uh, worked under him to, to learn from him. Um, not, I can't tell you how grateful I am for my experiences. I, I can capture it and sum it up this way. I believed in him when I was 16 years old, when he start, first started, actually I just turned six, so maybe 15 years old when he first started recruiting me. I believed in him starting then. I swear by him now. Like that's the way I feel about him. I, I love him. Um, it's, he's been an example for all of us. I mean, how to uh, run a business, uh, how to coach a basketball team, how to run a program, uh, how to lead on a university's campus. Um, how to be a great father, a great husband. Um, I think he's been married, and I think they just celebrated, he and Mrs. K celebrated uh, 52 or 54 years of marriage, um, three daughters that he and his wife have raised, and I think they have 10 grandchildren. His grandson is on his team uh, at Duke. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, in terms of everything that he's done, you know, to be the example of how it should be done and that doesn't mean anybody's perfect. I'm not trying to make anybody out to be that. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I would be willing to send my kids or anybody else to, that's, that's the guy where I want them to, to learn from, uh, is the guy that taught me. And, and I'm so proud and grateful for the opportunity of being a part of that journey with him. Um, I always said when he made all these, breaking all these records and things with coaching victories, I always would say that, man, if I'd played a little better, he'd have done that a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I'm, I'm proud, Chris, and, and he's deserving of all the uh, attention of all the, the moments that are coming his way for all that he's done and what he's meant to uh, not just the game of basketball, but for the world of sports. No, and, and, and thanks, Coach, and I, I know that brings us to time, but I just wanted to, to say, you know, it's funny how you kind of speak about Coach K and you say you believed in him then when you're, you know, 15, 16 you swear by him now and that he's the best teacher you ever had. And I feel like, you know, an undertone of this conversation is that is that kind of, you know, passing on a favor. And I feel like, you know, for me, you've been that. So I just want to say thank you for being, you know, a tremendous coach. You know, I believed in you when I was, you know, 16 and you, you came up to Canada yeah. for American Thanksgiving. And, you know, I honestly, I played terrible that game. So I don't know how I ended up at Harvard, <laughs> but uh, I swear by you now as, as a man and as a teacher. So, Thank you so much for your time and thank you to everybody, you know, who tuned in today. And, you know, hopefully this will be, you know, up for people to watch as well. But thanks so much, Coach, and really appreciate everything. Chris, thank you. Uh, I love you and I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Love you too, Coach.